0: Our US-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the million dollar protection package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.
1: Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. welcome back this is episode 14 and we're diving into the topic of generation z's advocacy and activism in our 2014 study we were curious about what generation z was concerned about in regards to social issues but we also wanted to know how they might go about engaging with those issues our findings pointed out that generation z prefers to engage with social issues in a few different ways. First, they like to stay informed and up-to-date on issues. Thinking about how much access to information online Generation Z has, this makes sense. Next, they like to educate other people on the issues. Again, this makes sense for a heavily digitally connected generation who's no stranger to social media. So first and foremost, they engage with social issues by learning about issues and raising awareness about those issues. This had me thinking about the connection as well to Generation Z's motivation, Our research has alluded to the fact that the primary source of motivation for Generation Z is focused on their passion and desire to advocate for something they believe in. When I weave all this together, I can't stop thinking about how primed Generation Z is to be a cohort of changemakers, activists, and advocates. And while some cohort members may engage with social issues in other ways, such as philanthropy, invention, entrepreneurship, and service, I'm excited to connect with a Gen Z advocate who's making her life's mission to address a social issue she cares deeply about. Nadia Okamoto grew up in Portland, Oregon, and is a 21-year-old student at Harvard who is currently on a leave of absence. She's a founder and executive director of Period, period period.org, an organization she founded at the age of 16. Period is now the largest youth-run NGO in women's health and one of the fastest growing in the United States. Since 2014, they have addressed over 500,000 periods and registered over 300 campus chapters. In 2017, Nadia ran for office in Cambridge, Massachusetts. While she did not win, her campaign made historic waves in mobilizing young people on the ground and at the polls. Nadia recently published her debut book, Period Power, a manifesto for the minstrel movement, which made the Kirkus review list for best young adult nonfiction in 2018. Most recently, Nadia has become the chief brand officer at Juve Consulting, a Gen Z marketing agency based in New York City. Most recently, Nadia was named in Style Magazine's The Badass 50, Meet the Women Who Are Changing the World list along with Michelle Obama, Ariana Grande, and Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. I'm absolutely in awe of the incredible things that Nadia has accomplished so far in life, and I'm excited to share her story and passion with you.
2: I am so excited to welcome today's guest. Nadia Okamoto is fantastic and one of my new favorite people to follow. She is just an absolute dynamo in the work that she's doing in advocacy and activism. And I could not imagine a better guest to be discussing this. Um, not only is she a member of Gen Z, but she's absolutely forced force to be reckoned with in the things that she's doing and the way that she inspires people. So I'm actually going to turn it over to her. She's got quite an impressive bio and all the things that she's working on. And I think she's going to be best to be able to tell you a little bit what she does. So Nadia, welcome.
3: Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm Nadia Okamoto, and I'm 21 years old, and I'm a rising junior at Harvard College right now, Um, but I'm currently taking time off to do period activism and focus on some more Generation Z-specific work that I'm doing. Um, So I'm the founder and executive director of an organization called Period, the Menstrual Movement, which is a nonprofit that I founded when I was 16 years old. And what we do is we fight to end period poverty and period stigma through service, education, and advocacy, and we do this through mobilizing a global network of campus chapters. Uh, We now have about over 350 campus chapters registered at universities and high schools and are now the largest youth-run NGO in women's health in the world. Um, And I'm also on book tours, so I published my first book called Period Power with my publisher Simon & Schuster in October. Um, And I'm chief brand officer at Juve Consulting, which is a Gen Z marketing agency.
2: I wonder when you sleep because you were doing so much. Uh, I always (laughs) like to think that I was like kind of busy in college and Every time I talk to a member of Gen Z in college, they're just like, sit down, I got this. Um, and it's incredible to hear about the work that you're doing. And like I said, following along with what you're doing is absolutely fascinating. And I think there's so much to learn from you and what you've started at such a young age. I mean, you started your first nonprofit at the age of 16. What inspired you to do so? And what did you face any barriers along the way?
3: Of course. So my passion for periods comes from a really personal place. I founded the organization when I was 16, inspired by sort of my family's own experience with housing instability. And during that time, when my family was living without a home of our own, I ended up talking to homeless women who were in much worse living situations than I was in, and it was really hearing these stories from women of using toilet paper and socks and brown paper grocery bags and even cardboard to take care of their period that really um, inspired me to take action, right? Um, And I think I was really pushed to do that, especially after learning about things like the tampon tax, which is... Um, The sales tax on period products, labeling them as non-essential goods in the majority of U.S. states. Now we're at 34. Right. Um, So I think that was really what spurred me to take action sort of with this uh, reaction of how is it 2014 at the time? 2014, people have been menstruating since the beginning of time. And yet menstrual hygiene is still considered this privilege and is still this huge barrier for success for women and girls.
2: That is incredible that you were able to take something that was a less than ideal experience uh, that you went through, but rechannel that energy to help other people. I really do commend you on that. What? Did, so you started your your first nonprofit at 16. What kind of barriers did you face along the way?
3: Um, You know, I think one of the biggest barriers is just that people were uncomfortable talking about periods. Like, you know, periods are so much more mainstream now than they were even, you know, four years ago. When we started, like, it, was, it wasn't until 2015 that, like, NPR and Newsweek labeled, like, 2015 the year of the period when people started talking about it more. But when we started, like, we were some of the first, um, you know, activists really in the space on social media. So in terms of mainstream media, it, we were still working to destigmatize it. So every pitch we went into, every potential volunteer, potential funder that we talked to, we first had to destigmatize periods. So I think that was a huge barrier for us, for sure.
2: So you say we, I know that you work with a team. Um, Can you tell me a little bit more about what steps did you take to creating, period? And how did you kind of get the ball rolling? I know that it comes from a very personal place. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey of starting in 2014 to where you are in 2019.
3: Of course. So, I mean, my journey to starting was kind of Honestly, I I always felt like I never knew what I was doing, but I just had this mentality of I was going to take action anyways. So, I mean, when I started, um, my first step was just finding a co-founder who balanced the skills that I have, right? I knew that I wanted to be the visionary face of the organization. I wanted to focus on advocacy, but I also knew I wanted to distribute product and I wanted to run a full-fledged organization. And I did not want to deal with the finances, the logistics, the small operations, So I ended up finding a co-founder who I'd never really talked to, but we went to school together and we sort of embarked on this journey together. Um, And his name is Vincent Forians. And actually, we started when we were 16 and he didn't even know really what a period was. So our first sort of business was teaching him what menstruation was.
2: That is incredible. I love that you not only brought in um, a a young man, I presume, um, but... You brought in a young man. It's always wonderful to have that well balanced team, but you really took it from a very mature perspective of what am I good at and what are the things I want to do, and then how do I build that ro- that robust team? And I think that's incredible to be able to to know that. I'm sure you're like a superstar group projects um, in class. So <laughs> I'm just absolutely enamored with how you have channeled so much of your your activist and your advocacy spirit. Um, so what do you what does it mean to you to be an activist and an advocate?
3: To me, being an activist is just pushing against the status quo on something that you really believe in, right? And that's why I always say activism can be so tiring, because when you're pushing against the status quo, you always feel like, one, there's more that you could be doing, but also, two, it's the act of resistance, which can get rather exhausting.
2: Yeah, you're doing especially personal work, and you're not doing it because you know, you want the fame and the glory, you're doing it for a good reason. And sometimes you are going up against people that might not believe in the same thing you do. And I can understand how that could be tiring.
3: Yeah. And I, I also think that, I mean, when you do activism, because it is exhausting and you're pushing against like this societal norm, it means that it usually comes from a very personal place. So a lot of the work of activists, for the most part that I know, their activism comes from this deeply personal place, whether it be a personal story of adversity or, you know, having empathy for someone that they truly care about. And I think that's why that's the, the activists who are able to be successful are the ones who have this deeply rooted, personal, authentic passion for what they do.
2: Absolutely. Um, so what helped you develop kind of your passion and your voice? I know that you went through an experience uh, with your family, but what else along the way has really helped you hone in on your voice in terms of, of activism and advocacy?
3: it's kind of twofold right like I started my organization when I was 16 coming out of experiencing housing instability um kind of right after experiencing rape and sexual assault for the first time, coming to terms with the fact that I grew up with sex abuse and physical abuse in my family. And I think it was a lot of the adversity in these experiences where I felt so powerless and voiceless that led me to find activism as an outlet for where I felt so deeply empowered on a new level, right? At the same time, I had a role model like my mom who was an incredible uh, mentor to me along the whole way, both in my personal and professional life but also someone who led by example in terms of what it looks like to be resilient in the face of adversity. And I think to be able to watch my mom um, be resourceful and fight to protect my sisters and I was a big um, motivator for me and, like, what can I do now to, like, take all the privilege that I have and whether it be access to education or access to a family and a roof over our heads and turn it around and support women. And I think that, you know, with a mom and two younger sisters who are so, so, so... um. You know, empowered women. It it's a really big inspiration for me.
2: You face some stuff, and I am just absolutely amazed in the way that you have channeled that. And you are just such a good sentiment and example of the young people in your generation. And I know that you do a lot of work um, with Jew Consulting. Yeah.
3: Um.
2: But and you get to kind of get be a voice and get to be an eye on what's going on with Gen Z, which is so cool. Um. How do you see some of your Gen Z peers engaging in activism and advocacy? Advocacy, because so I know, you know, your flavor of activism might be different than some of your peers. What are some, some other ways that you're seeing young people engage with the issues they care about?
3: So I think that one of the biggest waves of activism that's happening with Gen Z is like social media activism where, I mean, when I was starting this organization, the priority was what is the work that you're doing on the ground, right? What is your impact numbers of the people you're reaching, real lives that you're touching face to face? Now, when you talk, hear about activists and um, you know activists who are trying to change culture, a lot of these this work is not being done through organizations, but it's being done on social media, right? People who are starting hashtags, people who are going viral, via videos where they're confronting, um, you know, people in power. And it's less about the work that you're doing and the credibility you have on the ground, but, you know, how, how much of a following you can build around a shared, um, shared mission.
2: That is absolutely true. And what we've seen in some of our research is that the the ability to learn about issues and spread the word about them is one of the ways that Gen Z is most interested in creating social media. Absolutely. And you really summed it up. You summed it up so well in the idea that you might not have as much going on, as you said, like on the ground, and I'm doing air quotes around that, but the the ability to distribute a positive message or the ability to connect people through social media, I think that is truly a unique characteristic of your generation. And you're really honing a tool that is so incredibly important.
3: Yeah. And I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I give to people who want to be activists is like, you have to take it off social media too, right? Like at the same time, social media is so important. It's an incredible tool. Um, but at the same time, like you need to be able to, you know, have credibility and defend your work to people who are of older generations and prove to them that you're, you're doing real work.
2: Absolutely. And it's, um, it's weaving it all together exactly. in this idea of social media and real life are still life yeah. and they're reflections of one another, whether or not we love to lead them into either area, there's a, a semblance of truth in both. And so yeah. it's, and it's more than just the hashtags and, and the posts, right? It's, it's what we do in our day to day and our interactions one-on-one and in groups. So I 100% agree with you. When you started to get into advice to give to other people that might be interested in getting into activism? What would be, you know, Nadia's few bullet points, few tips on holding your activist voice and starting in that process?
3: You know, I think my biggest piece of advice would be to just be unapologetically yourself. I think in this day and age of activism, when you you really become like a you know public figure and you're doing so many things on social media or with press, like it's really easy to get both hate from people who are trying to tell you to change yourself or your voice and your message or even support that is also trying to help you in a way that's trying to change how you approach things. And I think one of the biggest things is stay true to your mission, stay true to your passion and be unapologetically yourself.
2: I love that. I need to take that with me wherever I go. And I love that Gen Z authenticity. Exactly. So something you and I kind of, (laughs) I love it. Uh, One of the things that you and I have actually really chatted about and enjoyed is this idea of generations working together. And so as a millennial and someone who is oftentimes in positions of power to help make the world a little bit of a better place for Gen Z, what can older generations be doing And those who are working with Generation Z, what can we do to support young people in their pursuits of activism and advocacy?
3: I think two big things: one, create platforms for young activists to be able to share their work and share their passions. I think making room, like just as you're doing, right, having podcasts or creating space on social media or creating space at events and in person um, to help make intros and elevate the voices of Gen Z activists. But two, also allocating real resources to Gen Z. Right, it's you have to go beyond just saying look, here's a Gen Z person, like, let's all clap or give them a space on the stage would be like, how do we support the real work you're doing? How much money do you need? What resources do you need? What connections do you want? And I think being able to have trust in giving resources to Gen Z activists is huge. One of the biggest barriers for my organization from the very beginning is we have to work 10 times as hard to prove our credibility to get, you know, money or resources, right? When we come out the gate and we say, you know, we're running an organization that needs to raise, you know, half a million dollars in the next few months, like, to raise that money, we need to be able to prove our credibility, and we need you know, partners who are much older than us and have those resources to turn around and believe in us.
2: I want to be able to absolutely shout on a mountaintop all the wonderful work that you're doing, but for anyone that is listening that might want to um, support, even at a small level, what are some ways that um, they can get involved with Period and some of the work that you're doing? Are there any individual opportunities um, or places they can go to, to learn more and to support your work?
3: So the best way to get involved and find out more about period is to just go to period.org or to just follow us on social media. We always put out call to actions on at period movement on social media, or you can find me at Nadia Okamoto on social media. Um, I think that if you really want to get involved at a higher level, you can start a chapter in your community or at your school or do something like just a one-time action in one of our policy campaigns.
2: That is fantastic. And I can't wait to share that with everyone. Um, I think you're doing incredible work and want to make sure that you can get all the support that you can. So I ask this of every one of my guests because I just love being Gen Z's cheerleader. But what is your favorite thing about your Generation Z peers?
3: My favorite thing about my Generation Z peers is how much they value inclusivity, right? One of the biggest, the most known nicknames for Generation Z is the plurals because we don't think in terms of the I, like What's best for me and, and what I want, but we think in terms of what's best for my community and what our generation wants and what we're prioritizing, right? Another nickname of ours is the genderless generation because less than 50% of us identify as totally heterosexual or cisgender. Um, so there's a lot of work that uh, we're doing to, you know, defy gender labels or stereotypes and really reject gender as a social construct. Um, and lastly, by 2020, we're gonna be majority minority. So we're kind of, it's necessary that we've prioritize inclusivity
2: moving forward absolutely i honestly i love the the spirit of really loving other people for who they are with your generation and not only loving them accepting them including them um and making this communal feeling very present i just i commend you all for that and you're role modeling it for older generations and you're modeling it for younger generations that humans are humans no matter how they identify and everyone deserves rights so Exactly. I am so thankful for you spending some time today chatting more about what you do and how we can continue to support the good work you're doing and also the good work that Gen Z is doing in their advocacy and activism. It is, I'm a firm believer that if we put you all in good places to lead and do good work, that we're going to be in a much better place in our world. Well, thank you, Nadia, so much. Um, I'm going to make sure that we um, throw your contact information up that if anyone's interested, they can get a hold of you. Um, But I'm so thankful for your insights and being here today.
3: Amazing. Thank you so much.
2: I want to send a
1: big thank you to my guest, Nadia Okamoto. I really can't thank her enough for sharing her very personal story and experiences. Now she's channeled those experiences into an energy that has made her an unstoppable advocate for women and gender equality. She's such a prime example of how Generation Z is already doing incredible work to support the causes they care about. They aren't waiting for permission. They're using what they have in their current phase of life. And as a member of an older generation, I want to be able to support Gen Z and further their advocacy and activism. So how do we use our privilege of age and experience to elevate a younger generation full of energy, passion, and hope for a brighter future? Nadia's energy gives me hope that Generation Z will do amazing things and work relentlessly to address issues, if we just let them. So no, they aren't too young to make change. They're exactly ready to do so. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope you're as fired up as I am to support Generation Z activists and advocates, or maybe just engage in a little advocacy yourself. If you enjoyed this episode and loved learning from a rock star like Nadia, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. This will keep you connected to new episodes as they come out, and plus your feedback helps me improve the show and help other listeners find the show. I created this podcast to continue to learn about Gen Z and share their stories, so if you have a topic you'd like to learn about um, or know of a member of Gen Z that I need to connect with, head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, that's M-E-G-H-A-N-M-G-R-A-C-E.com, and you can send me a note, or we can connect on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Thanks again for hanging out. Let's continue this conversation, and we'll chat soon.